Welcome everyone to our monthly live at Be Infinite. My name is Shabnam Abgari, and together with Nagin Khorasani, we are your host today. Be Infinite offers a platform for online transformative learning to realign people with their inner balance and life purpose, which will bring more fulfillment in all areas of their lives. During our previous session, which happened on 21st of September, uh, we started where all lasting peace begins with ourselves. We walked through a step-by-step -step process for finding inner peace in difficult situations. The recording of that session is available on our Facebook page. And if you're interested in the audio version of that, you can uh, simply go to our podcast channel on Spotify and listen to it. Uh, Glenda's teaching uh, and the tools she introduced were extremely empowering, and I invite you to review it at your uh, convenience. In this session, we will be focusing on creating peace with others. Our guest speaker, Glenda Mattinson, will be sharing two of her favorite tools for creating peace with others, including how to disarm criticism and blame from others so both people in a conversation feel better and are in a place to have a truly productive discussion about any difficult topic. Now, let us um, start with a heart opening and grounding exercise. I now invite us to become one mind, one heart, and one consciousness. Close your eyes and take a moment to get centered in your heart. Rest your attention on the center of your chest. And become aware of your breathing moving in and flowing out from the center. Now allow your breath to become slower than normal. We breathe in five seconds intervals. Breathe in through your heart to a count of five. And hold for five seconds and out through your heart for a count of five. In through your heart and hold and out through your heart. And as you continue this heart-focused breathing, immerse yourself in the love and unity that is expanding in your heart. Feel that you're connected and one with everyone and everything. Amazing, now we are one and with this unity and oneness, we are ready to start our session. Over to you, dear Nagin. You are muted, Nagin. Oh, thank you, Shabna, for that amazing centering exercise. So uh, more about our inspiring guest. 
For more than 20 years, Glenda has been helping people to make collaborative decisions and resolve issues peacefully at work and at home. She has a master's in applied psychology and is an internationally certified trainer, coach, and mediator in nonviolent communication. Please join me in welcoming Glenda Mattinson. Hi, Glenda. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. So you are welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Lovely. Um, now, a little bit on how our session unfolds. Um, we start the session with learning more about Glenda's journey and work. Then we will review what we learned in the previous session. After that, we move on to the interactive segment of the program. As we go along, please feel free to send us your questions and comments, and we'll take time in the end to address them. So Glenda, please tell our audience a little bit about your journey and that brought you here. Thank you. I really value um, positive and peaceful relationships in my life and my work. But I noticed that periodically I would say something that I thought was innocuous or fine or peaceful, but the other person would react with anger or some other negative emotion. And sometimes it would really hurt our relationship in the long term. So I wanted to understand what I could do differently so this wouldn't happen. I studied everything I could find that I thought would help from psychology, which is my master's degree, to leadership, to coaching and peaceful communication. And I came to the conclusion that in order to have more peace in my relationships, I needed to do three things. The first one was to notice when I wasn't feeling peaceful. I realized most people were more aware of that than I was. So I needed to start to really notice. And the second thing I need to do, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, is when I wasn't feeling peaceful to shift my feelings so that I was at peace before I started to talk with others about it. And then finally, um, to how to structure my conversations, what I said, when I said it in the flow of a conversation, and how I said it to avoid stimulating negative emotion in other people. And if they were already feeling negative emotion, how to help them restore peace within themselves so that we could res resolve any differences peacefully. So I'm excited today to be able to talk about three things. First, I'll review three key principles from last month's Finding Inner Peace session. So if you were there, this is a good review. If you were not there, you'll kind of get some of the key highlights. And I do hope you, if you're inspired, you might look watch the, watch the podcast. Um, and then we'll talk about a powerful technique you can use in the moment when you're feeling triggered, because generating peace when I'm not peaceful takes me some time, but there's something that you can do in the moment that has made a huge difference in my relationships. And finally, I'll introduce you to a strategy for helping other people shift to feeling more peaceful so that you can have productive conversation with them about whatever the issue is, whether it's yours or theirs or both of yours. So let's dive in. Oh. 
that was not what I thought you were going to see. I just thought, okay, now I'm feeling hugely embarrassed and rather stressed. So I'm going to take a deep breath. And all right. Ah, nothing like having an opportunity to practice what you're talking about. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. Um, so uh, we're here today to talk about finding peace with others in difficult situations. And last time, again, we, we talked about finding inner peace, inner peace in those same kind of situations. And again, today we are expanding that. So here's a kind of a brief overview of the agenda. So um, we'll, we'll start by talking about three key principles from that first session for finding inner peace. Then we'll uh, encounter a beautiful heartfulness breathing technique that's also really helpful for finding inner peace. And we're so fortunate to have Nagin here to offer that. And then we'll talk about that thing I talked about in the moment, what you can do when you get triggered by someone, and finally, um, responding to other people to help them create peace in themselves so you can have that productive conversation. So what I've learned is to make effective decisions, collaborate with others, or create peace, we need to be on relatively positive, peaceful, emotional ground. But whenever we're feeling negative feelings, it's like we're in a hole. And anything we say out of a hole will tend to end up with the other person in a hole also. And if we keep on talking, we just keep on digging that hole deeper, making it harder and harder to create positive and lasting peace. So I became really interested. I mean, this, as soon as I learned about this, I thought, oh, yeah, that, that's the story of my life. So I wanted to understand why it happened. And out through some of my research, I discovered that less than 10% of what people hear from us comes from the words that we say. And more than 90% of what they hear comes from our nonverbal communication. That's everything from tone of voice to body language to those fleeting facial expressions. And also any mismatch between our words and any of those, which is why we have to have authentic inner peace in order to have uh, productive connections with others, because we can't just say nice words. It has to come uh, with the energy of peace. And where our nonverbal communication comes from is from our thoughts and feelings. So um, that's the, it's the direct result of that. So again, to create lasting peace with others, the first step is to create that inner peace. I use that metaphor again of getting ourselves onto that positive, peaceful, emotional ground. So the shift process, which is what I went through in detail in the first session, is a reliable step-by-step -step process for doing this about any situation, certainly situation I've encountered or others who are trained in this work have encountered. Again, you can watch the podcast to get the full picture. And today I just wanted to touch on three key principles. The first one is that conflict occurs between strategies. You want something to happen. I want something different to happen. That's where conflict lives. 
But Einstein said we can't resolve a problem at the level at which it arises. So we often can't resolve a conflict if we keep our attention on the strategies that we each want. But when I heard that, I thought, okay, great, but what else can we talk about? And what I learned is there's this concept called needs, which is the different place that we can go, because behind each of our preferred strategies, there are some important needs that we each have. So when I think about needs, I love the metaphor of a plant. I do tend to think of a yellow daffodil. I am not a botanist. So what I know about plants is that they need light such as from the sun. They need water such as from rain. And they need nutrients such as from the soil. And when all of their needs are met, they can grow and thrive and bloom and bring their beauty to the planet. And I believe that is also true of us as human beings. So that needs are essentially what we need to thrive and to contribute most fully. Uh, and uh, there's, because this is not a concept that certainly I was brought up with, most of us are not taught to think in terms of needs. There's a list that you can reference at any time called needs-list.com. Um, and when I'm working with clients, I sort of encourage them to make sure that they have a copy of that, like a second screen uh, to refer to as we work together. Uh, and for today, here is are some key needs that, uh, that are on that list. So I'd like e each of you to allow your eyes to kind of drift over the list. You might check the categories in the left in black. Your eyes drift over the drift over the words and notice which ones do you go Ooh, I like it when that need is met I always very find I have a different answer to that question every time I look at the list um, but I'm curious Nagin when you let your eyes drift over the list which words jump out at you today learning and also harmony beautiful thank you and Shabnam how about you Honesty and uh, freedom. Beautiful. And I'm noticing for me, um, aliveness and pleasure are two that are that are jumping out at me. So there are two core perspectives that we have on needs um, in nonviolent communication. The first is that needs are universal. All human beings have the same needs. This is obviously a hypothesis, but it's one that seems to have been borne out. Uh, we have trainers on every continent except Antarctica, as far as I know, and everywhere we find this idea resonates with people in many different cultures and languages. And the other core perspective is that anything anyone ever says, does, or thinks is seeking to meet one or more positive needs. Again, positive needs that we all share. So if we think back to that diagram with the two conflicting strategies, even though I might disagree with someone's strategy and might not like it, I can always connect to the needs that they're seeking to meet, these universal human needs they're seeking to meet through their strategy. And that's the power of needs. Because once everyone is confident that their needs are understood and there will be support to get them met, it becomes possible to find strategies that work for everyone. When I realize that, oh, my needs are not gonna be met unless the other person's needs are also met, um, 
then it becomes easy for me to open my heart and include and care about their needs. And I find it works the other way as well. And so this is the overall picture. We, we may start with the conflict between preferred strategies when we bring and focus our attention on the needs inside or behind those strategies. It essentially opens each of our hearts up to, um, to so that our, our range of acceptable strategies overlaps. And in that place, we're able to find a strategy that works for both of us or if it's a group for all of us. Um, it's one of the things I find miraculous about this work. So that's the first principle I wanted to review is this concept of focusing on needs first. We do that with ourselves in finding inner peace. And we also do that when we're, when we're seeking peace with others. The second principle is that judgment or wishing someone had done something differently is like a two-sided coin. So whenever we're not happy about what someone has done, um, it means we want them to have done something differently. But that also means that there's a part of me or you that wants us to have done something differently too. Um, I have been doing this work for close to 20 years now. And, um, you know, the, the process that I had when I started out worked pretty well, except there were five cases where it didn't work. And um, what I discovered was four of those cases, people were only focused on what they wanted the other person to have done differently and hadn't identified anything, any judgments or anything they wanted themselves to do differently. And the other case was a person who was depressed and her focus was exclusively on what she should have done differently. And she hadn't identified what she wanted others to do differently. And since I've been ensuring we have both sides of this, I found the shift process consistently brings people relief and gets them on that level ground. So yes, as I just sort of said in, in a lot of words, it's important to connect to the needs inside both sides of this. And the third principle is your feelings are your guide. I just love it. It's like a, you know, sometimes I'll be thinking about something and I'll find my brain goes around and around in circles. I get very confused. But when I bring my attention to my feelings, they are crystal clear. Um, when I've connected to all the needs that are important to me in a particular situation, I will feel only positive feelings about um, other than perhaps a little bit of nervousness about how am I going to get all those needs met? <laughs> Um, but uh, if I have any negative feelings, it just means, oh, there are some more needs that need to be identified and connected to about the situation. Because again, once I've found all of those, I'll have positive feelings. So it's just a lovely, um, simple way to be able to, uh, to guide us through the shift process. So th that concludes the part about the three key principles for inner peace from, in difficult situations, the last session. And now um, another tool that's wonderful for helping us uh, create inner peace is Heartful Communications Breathing Technique of Seeding Positive Thoughts. And we're so fortunate to have Nagin here as a heartfulness trainer and heartful communication practitioner to guide us through an experience of this breathing technique. Thank you, Nagin. Thank you, Glenda. Um, well, this technique can help transform our uh, uncomfortable thoughts and feelings toward others. 
You can use this exercise if you are feeling uncomfortable with someone, if your experience, if you experience them as being intimidating or hostile towards you, or you have prejudice, dislike, or hostility towards them. So it will also help you to remove any fear or uh, barriers you may have regarding this person. So let's experience that together. Um, Sit comfortably in your chair and close your eyes. Imagine the form of this person in front of you, the person that you feel uncomfortable with. Have the thought that this person is your friend and well-wisher. Think that all negative thoughts this person has about you are leaving him or her and are being replaced by positive intentions related to your welfare. These positive thoughts are being infused in him or her. Imagine that you're looking very softly at this person. As you exhale, have the thought that particles of your love and affection are entering into their heart. As you inhale, have the thought that you're pulling out all the negative thoughts that they have about you. And you're throwing these thoughts aside. Continue this cycle for a few more breaths. Until you feel your heart is softer toward this person. So let's continue in silence. As you exhale, have the thought that particles of your love and affection are entering into their heart. And as you inhale, have the thought that you're pulling out all the negative thoughts that they have about you. And you are throwing these thoughts aside. Feel how your heart is warmer and more expanded at this moment. When you feel ready, very gently open your eyes. So this breathing exercise we did together could be done when you are physically present with the person too. But it must obviously be done with the utmost subtlety so as to be unnoticeable by the person. Pay attention to what happens with your relationship with this person over the next few days. You may be surprised. Thank you, Nagin. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. (laughs) All right. So just to do a bit of review of what we've spoken about so far. 
To create lasting peace with others, our first step is to shift ourselves onto positive, peaceful, emotional ground. But the reality is most of us can't shift when we're in the middle of a difficult conversation. It takes some time and space for us to be able to do that when we've gotten triggered. And the reality is if you notice that you're in that hole of negative emotions during a conversation, most people you're talking with won't have the capacity to help you um, out of that hole. So what can you do in the moment when you realize you're experiencing negative emotions in the middle of an interaction? So let's think about what we normally do. Shabnam or Nagin, I don't know if you want to share anything about what you normally do. Um, I can certainly share uh, some things that I've experienced. And I think how we respond comes out of um, the three basic biological impulses that come up when we feel under threat. The first one is to fight, to argue. In my case, it's to argue with people. Um, the second one is flight, just to get out of there as fast as we can. And the third one is we can sometimes find ourselves freezing. We can't think, we can't speak because um, we're just frozen uh, by, the, by the anxiety of the situation. And so those translate into some verbal communication patterns that we may exhibit. So one of the things I sometimes do when I'm, when I'm in fight mode is to explain to the other person why they're wrong or explain to them why I'm right. When I am under the impulse of the flight, uh, flight impulse, I may just give in just to get out of the situation, agree to anything if I can just get out of the room. And finally, sometimes I just do nothing. I sort of feel like one of those fish, fish, in fish out of water, just mouth going, nothing coming out um, because I just can't think straight. So these are really normal responses to being in a hole during a conversation. And there are two other approaches that I think are, uh, can, be, can be helpful. The challenge is around the timing. One is trying to understand the other person's point of view. I think that's a tremendous thing to do. Um, and the challenge is I find when I'm in a hole, um, any attempt I make to do this usually backfires. They get more annoyed and more irritated because I'm just not in the right state. I can't see very well. I can't hear very well. Um, another approach is to look for a compromise. And again, wonderful tactic to look for a way that can work for both people. Um, but the research is pretty clear that we're in, when we're in that kind of a hole, we don't have the, the access to our normal creativity for generating good ideas or for connecting effectively to others. So good impulses, it's just a matter of doing them at a time that I have the resources to implement effectively. So what I've learned is when I'm truly triggered and in a hole, and I'm noticing that everything that gets said just seems to be digging that hole deeper. I've learned, I've been dragged to this cooking and screaming, but I've learned that the most effective thing I can do is to pause and exit. Doing this pausing and exiting buys you the time and space that you need to shift. So you can avoid speaking out of that hole of negative emotion. And my goal is like trying not to make things worse. 
and the pausing and exiting may be on the, of the situation. It may also be of the topic if the other person is willing to switch topics with you. So um, oddly enough, pausing and exiting, this kind of disengagement can su actually support connection between you and the other person. Um, but it is key to know how to pause in a way that supports connection. Now, this is something I did not learn at home. I, it's a very hard one lesson for me. And so I've had an opportunity to watch how the real masters of this skill do it. And this is what I've learned. That basically people who are really skilled at doing this um, in a connecting way, they start and end by explicitly connecting to the other person, indicating that they care about what that person wants. Um, they start that way and they end by giving the other person a way to be included in when the conversation will continue. So again, they basically bookend their, their pause and exit statement with this care for others and giving them a way to be included. And then in the middle, um, they acknowledge, or I would acknowledge my own inability to continue right now. There's a couple of subtle variations on this that I haven't found um, work nearly as well. One is to say, we don't have the ability to continue right now. And I find that myself and others sometimes go, what do you mean? I'm perfectly capable <laughs> of doing this. Um, and so it can be even worse to say, well, I don't think you, I've had people tell me this, I don't think you have capacity to continue right now. They may well have been right, <laughs> but it did not land well in that moment. So if we take responsibility I don't feel able to continue right now in the way that I would like to. That can be um, much more connecting. So for people like me, for, this, for whom this may be a newer skill, um, I would sometimes start uh, talk about these first two steps being a starter kit. If you've never done a pause and exit before or extremely rarely, you might start by just trying to do these first two steps. Because again, when we're in a hole, we don't have access to all of our normal resources. So starting small can be really powerful. So an example of this that I've been experimenting with is starting with the phrase, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. That seems to be something I can remember and that I can say authentically um, in the moment. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. And I don't even try to fill in after that because I usually can't generate good ideas in the moment. I want to find a way to handle this that works for you. Um, that I know at the, my core, that is true. I may not feel like it in the moment, but I know at, at its base that I have to find a way that works for the other person and myself, or we're actually not going to be able to, to resolve whatever the issue is. And then I need some time to process what you've shared. So um, what I love about pause and exit is people can customize it to their own styles. And I love the variety that can come out of that. So Nagin, this is the one that you and that you um, came up with. So I'd love to hear you share this one. Sure. So um, I, I like to hear that myself and I prefer to say this at the time of mm -hmm. pause and exit. I love and respect you so much. So I like to speak with care for you and our relationship. And I need some time to center myself. So beautiful, very, very uh, individual and works for Nagin. And I love the test that she applied. What, I, what would I like to hear? That's what I'm going to say. And uh, Shabnam had another, had a wonderful one with a, a different style. So Shabnam, will you share yours? 
Um, so um, I know this is important for us to address. And at this point, I believe I need more clarity on the topic. So I need to take a pause to reflect. And then when and then uh, we can get back together to find the best way forward. Yeah. So beautiful, very different words, structure, but conveys the basic concept and is uh, natural and authentic for each of them. And um, this one of Shabnam's actually points to the third step uh, that I find masters of this technique use, which is to let the other person know that you will get back in touch. I don't know if you've ever had people in your life who are great at pausing, but they're not so great at coming back and having the conversation. And so you ba they basically get one pause out of me and then it's like, okay, I'm not letting you go because <laughs> I'm not confident that we'll be able to continue this. So um, it is important both in your own heart to be committed to coming back. That's the challenge um, for me around situations where I want to move into flight mode. Um, and, um, uh, uh, and it's also important for me to reassure others about. And then we've already talked about giving the other person a way to be included in that decision about when to continue. One of the challenges for me about this is I don't, it's a moment that I'm triggered. I don't know how much time I'm going to need in order to be able to be ready to continue. Um, and I always tend to underestimate because I, I want to, I want to resolve this. And so I found that it's important to be, uh, to make a commitment to the other person about when I'll get back in touch, but not to make a commitment that I will be in any particular place or state around that because I just, I, I don't know. I won't be able to predict that. So this is an example of um, a variation of this that I use with four elements. Sometimes I'm able to authentically say, thank you for letting me know. Um, otherwise, um, I may want to just go straight into, I want to find a way to handle this that works for both of us. And I'd like to think about what you've said. So I'll text you tomorrow to let you know where I'm at. And feel free to text or email me with some times that would work uh, for you to continue. And I find at this stage, when there's been this kind of trigger around a topic, that it tends to work best to communicate in written form um, until we're both on level ground, because I can usually put something together um, in text form that will be um, reasonably connecting, like, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about this. Um, and I'm not quite ready to have the conversation yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and that the other person can read that I can convey the messages, um, but I don't have to ensure that all of my thoughts and feelings are at peace, um, as I would have to do if we were delivering the message in, uh, in, in person or even by phone. And similarly, um, having the other person text or email me um, gives me space to ensure that before I respond, I have gotten onto enough level ground that my response is likely to be connecting. So, um, and then sometimes I've had to tell people this and then people go, okay, but, but then the other person won't let me leave. And this is the one time in a conversation that I recommend that if necessary, people make a unilateral decision to, to pause or end the conversation because you know in yourself 
I talk about conversations circling the drain, like everything that's being said is making things worse. So you know that it is just, you just don't have the capacity to continue. The other thing we talked about uh, in the last session is that communication is a set of habits, including what we do when we get triggered during a conversation. Now, the challenge with pause and exit um, as something we want to make a habit is that the times we need to pause and exit are exactly the times that we don't have a lot of spare brain capacity to come up with what to say on the fly. The other challenge is um, we don't need to pause. And, most of us don't need to pause and exit every day. It's a, it's a sporadic thing. So if we kind of count on ourselves to remember what we want to do, um, I'm, I'm not likely to remember because I'm not using it all the time. So this is a skill that's particularly important to make a habit for those two reasons. And there are two approaches I've found to help me have the words at hand that I need when I need them. And the first one is to prepare ahead of time to draft a default pause and exit script that you can use, put it somewhere easy to access and review. Yes, I really do have it beside my bathroom mirror. I had a client um, in my space for the first time since the pandemic began. And she came out of the bathroom and went, you really do have your pause and exit beside your mirror. It's like, yes, I do. Um, and then to practice it out loud. So you know it by heart and it's available to you when you need it. So I, my intention is to practice it when I brush my hair. I just brush my hair, say my pause and exit. That's going to keep it top of mind if I happen to need it that day. Um, the other time, and to be honest with you, I've probably done this one more than I've done the first one, is after the fact, kind of the, the rule I have with myself is every time I realize, oh, you know, I spoke at a hole in that conversation, it would have been so much better if I'd paused and exited. I go back and visualize myself, identify, okay, what would have been the best moment for me to do that pause and exit? I go visualize that moment, and then I say my pause and exit words out loud. And since our brains can't tell the difference between what actually happens and what we imagine, I try to do the visualizing at least three times so that it's kind of like, like okay, I blew it once, but I did it right three times. So that's hopefully going to increase the, the ch my chances of doing it for real next time. So, um, yeah, so, so, so far we've talked about the three key principles from the first session. We've had that beautiful heartfulness breathing technique. And we've talked about what you can do in the moment when you get triggered by someone. Again, not something I really want to do. I've just something I have found that pause and exit um, really is the best thing. And now one of my favorite topics, how to respond to others to help them find peace in themselves. We can't make someone feel peaceful, but we can help them find that. Um, and so the context this would apply to is you found yourself in a hole of negative emotions. If it happened in the middle of a conversation, you may have done a pause and exit. To give yourself that time to do the shift and get onto positive level emotional ground. Another of those miracles that I love about this work. So then what? So what do we do after that's happened? My experience is just as you needed to get onto positive level emotional ground, so likely does the other person. I found it's very rare for only one person in the conversation to end up in a hole. Usually if one person's in a hole, so is the other. And the miracle is we can help one another do that 
by listening in a rather unique way. And I just want to be clear, I'm not a great artist. Um, if I was a better artist, this wouldn't show me implying that I could lift someone out of the hole because I can't do that. It would show me putting a ladder down to allow them and to support them to climb out. So it, this approach is based on those two core perspectives on needs that we talked about earlier, that anything anyone ever says, does, or thinks is seeking to meet one or more positive needs, and those needs are universal. So all human beings, including the other person and myself, have the same needs. And the goal of this kind of listening is connection, that sort of heart connection when, again, these, I love these two little figures that really remind me of what it feels like. We can feel it when we're connected to someone. And what we want is for the other person to feel heard and understood. It doesn't mean we agree with them. It just means that we're, we're understanding them and they feel heard. Now, I want to emphasize listening in this way when someone is upset at us is not a natural act. We are not biologically programmed to do this. We are biologically programmed to do the opposite. Um, what, we what is it that we naturally tend to do when someone criticizes us or says something we don't agree with? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like on guard. <laughs> time, for a, time for a duel here. Um, my first impulse seems to be to defend myself or to explain my point of view. And so I'll invite you to notice whether that's true for you as well. And so let's look at what it might mean to listen in this way, given that it's not a natural act. Um, the, there are three aspects that I'd like to highlight that I found really helpful. The first one is to listen silently without interrupting. And we're listening to try to understand or guess three things. First, how is the other person feeling to take our attention off of what they're saying, and to put it on what they're feeling. And if we sense someone is angry, remembering that underneath anger is always a sense of fear, helplessness, and or hurt. I find that really makes me feel safer and also makes me feel more compassionate and connected to them. Secondly, what are they wanting? They'll often talk about what they don't like. And so identifying what they do like sometimes takes some effort. And you may not want what they want. So it helps to focus on the needs of theirs you guess would be met by what they're wanting. So you identify what they're wanting because it helps broaden your perspective and then focus on the needs that you guess would be met by that. So here we have a sample situation. Uh, thank you, Nagin, for helping me uh, identify this one. Uh, so Nagin, will you play, uh, actually, uh, Shabnam, will you play Caleb? And Nagin, will you play Danka to illustrate how a conversation might go? Sure. Um, so haven't you done your piece of uh, the project yet? The deadline was today. 
Yes, but you don't understand. My boss dropped a super urgent client request on my plate on Monday. The person who was supposed to get me the data sent the wrong file and has been away ever since. I have had um, uh, an internet problem. My computer crashed. My mom was sick. I had to take her to the hospital. Okay. Any of this sounds familiar to you? I can unfortunately relate to many of these pieces. So um, let's look at what it might have sounded like if either of these people had used this listening, listening technique. What's wonderful for me about it is either person in a situation can use this at any point and it will tend to make things better. So uh, Shabnam uh, playing Khaled said, uh, haven't you done your piece of the project yet? The deadline was today. Um, so Nagin as Danka, if you were to guess, how do you think Caleb was feeling in saying that? I feel Caleb could have the feeling of, um, let me look at my feeling list here. Um, anxious um, and frustrated, probably. Mm, cool. And what do you think Caleb's wanting? must be um, competence, order, uh, predictability. Great. So that would be the needs. And I'm, I'm guessing what Caleb's wanting is he just wants the piece of the project done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love how you automatically start thinking about needs, Nigging. That's very cool. Yeah. So the, these were my, my guesses. Um, I was guessing that Caleb was feeling frustrated and scared. Um, I was guessing that uh, Caleb wanted Donka's part of the project to be completed by the deadline. And uh, some of the needs I was guessing uh, from the needs list uh, were support, um, predictability, respect, maybe they, you know, wanting the project done to get respect and recognition, and maybe even a, a sense of safety. Um, so you'll notice that all of the things that I guessed about Caleb, I've put question marks behind. It's one thing I always want to remember when I'm doing this. I am just guessing. Caleb is the expert on how Caleb's feeling, what they're wanting, and what their needs are. All I can do is, is guess, and it's the guesses that form the latter. So uh, Donka, um, yes, but you don't understand. And then a whole litany of challenges that... Uh, that Donka experienced in trying to get this work done. So Shabnam playing Caleb, um, how do you think Donka might have been feeling? Um, overwhelmed and uh, helpless, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit, little bit uh, fearful. Yeah, cool, great. And what do you think Donka's wanting? Um, flexibility and understanding that her situation. Um, changed yeah and yeah. therefore the um, initial deadlines were, could not be met cool great and so what needs of donka's do you think would be met if caleb sort of understood those things support uh, understanding great. beautiful so my guesses were very similar i was guessing that donka was feeling overwhelmed and helpless um, wanting Caleb to understand all the unexpected things they've had to deal with. And I was guessing 
um, needs for empathy, that kind of emotional understanding, not just cognitive understanding, but emotional understanding what it has felt like to be Donka this week, some compassion for her, his or her situation, and some support. So again, just guesses. The second um, aspect of listening in this way is when you speak to share your guess about what the person wants, but sort of focusing on the needs. So including a needs word or two. And there are some sentence starters that I found helpful. Sounds like you're wanting. I'm sensing you want, or just you want. Um, it can be stated as a statement, but if I'm holding it as a question, I find people um, seem to be very receptive to that, to that particular form. And you'll notice I didn't use the word need. Um, I find need tends to not have a good connotation, not to land particularly well, even though these words are going to, these sentence starters are going to be followed by needs words. I find the word want tends to land better. So, um, so uh, Nagin, I'm going to invite you to sort of identify how you might share your guesses, um, uh, how you might respond if you were guessing Khaled's needs when he said, or she said, haven't done your piece of the project yet. The deadline was today. Um, here's a list of at least my needs guesses. Yours again, were slightly different. So if you were to pick one of these sentence starters. And then. Say, um, mm -hmm. Sounds like you're wanting um, some support and predictability. Is that right? Great, beautiful. Yes. Um, and. A variation that I came up with with a little more colloquial language because I had a bit more time than Nagin did to come up with something. Um, I started with yes. Um, sometimes that can be very connecting way to begin. Yes, you really want to be able to count on me to get things done when we need them done. So colloquial language that count on me tends to be language for predictability. Um, and then adding that's really important to me too. Um, we don't want to take our attention to ourselves too soon, but especially if it seems like a really obvious thing that they're wanting, um, adding that's really important to me too can support that quality of connection. And uh, just to, to give you, sometimes people think, oh, well, I do this and people are going to go, oh, yes, you've understood me. Thank you. Now we're all buddy buddies. Um, just so that you aren't disappointed when you try this technique, what you're more likely to get back is more opportunity to listen to what they want heard. So my best guess of what might come back from Callum would be, yes, your piece is really crucial. There's no one else who can pick it up. Everyone is running flat out with their own work. I don't know how we're going to explain this upstairs. So th that just, again, to be realistic. And in this case, I would probably continue to listen silently. My experience is when we allow people the space to express what's true for them, their comments usually eventually zero in either on a core issue, in which case I could make another needs guess, or um, Caleb will start to move into problem solving mode. Because as soon as we identify what we don't like or what we want to be different, our minds automatically start generating solutions. And these things happen most quickly if there's no resistance or opposition to what they're saying. I sometimes think of what they're saying as like a river and I'm just wanting it to run by. I'm not wanting to, to put any kind of dam into the flow of what they're saying and that will enable them to get to whatever C they're aiming toward most quickly.
So um, let's try it going in the other direction. So Donka said, yes, but you don't understand. My boss dropped a super urgent client request and so on and so forth. Um, we made some needs guesses. So uh, Shabnam playing Caleb, if mm-hmm. you chose one of these sentence starters and then put again, a need or two, it might not be these ones might be others that you're mm-hmm. guessing. Yes, sure. So I'm sensing um, you want um, more understanding and support uh, mm-hmm. as per your uh, new situation and um, to be able to meet the deadline. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and our guesses may be accurate, they may not be accurate, but what they do is they point the person in the direction of what they're wanting. And that is always a more productive direction than when they focus on what they don't want. So um, I came up with another possible way to respond, um, focusing on those needs for empathy, understanding, and compassion, um, which sometimes we may go to actually, if we guess that that's what's alive, sometimes we can demonstrate the empathy rather than just guessing that they're wanting empathy. I love how Shabnam did it. Another possible way to go, wow, what a lot to deal with it in just a week. How are you feeling about it all? Which again, um, allows you to get sort of, um, allows them to express and release whatever negative emotion might be there. So um, I'll invite you to think what you think about this. Um, The reality is most people, when they encounter this, it's like, this is really weird. I agree. It's really weird. (laughs) And it's really powerful. And also, I find it can feel really vulnerable to do this. It feels much easier to come back and share my perspective than to stand beside the other person and try to demonstrate that I'm looking at things from their direction. And I consistently find that when I do this, even if I don't do it well, it's the fastest way to help someone onto level ground. But I also find that when people are starting, it's good maybe to find a practice partner that you're going to do this with. It's something that um, when you're starting out, do it with with another consenting adult (laughs) Um, uh, to build the practice and comfort in doing it. And finally, the third aspect of this kind of listening is resisting the urge to do anything else. Um, Reassure them, share quotations, give advice, tell stories until the other person is on level ground and ideally until they ask you to. And um, you want to, even even if if they ask you out of a hole, I would encourage you to be extremely cautious about giving advice. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of offering someone who was upset advice and what comes back is all the objections to what you've shared because they're not, they're not in a place that that can be helpful. And my experience is giving into impulses like these, which feel easier in the moment is likely to end up prolonging the discomfort for both of you. So we've covered all four of the topics. Um, And that fourth topic about helping people create peace in themselves is, again, for the purpose of having a productive conversation to help create the change that will produce lasting peace. Now, the challenge about how do we have this kind of conversation is that our biology leads us astray. It's not designed to help us negotiate these kind of things. It's designed to have us take physical action. So most of us have no good role models. And that's why I've spent over 20 years studying, testing, and teaching first with myself and then with others about how to do this. And it's why I'm so excited 
to be offering an upcoming course through Be Infinite. Have I stopped sharing now? That was my intention. Good. <laughs> so I was really keen to, for those who wanted to be able to continue with this series, I was really keen to offer something in November. So this is a two session option uh, on Tuesday, um, November 16th and 23rd, um, 7.30 PM in the evening, uh, 7.30 to nine. Um, it'll be offered online uh, through Zoom. And its purpose is um, once you've gotten yourself on level ground and you sense that the other person is on level ground, how to start a difficult conversation. Someone once said, well begun is half done. And that is total my, totally my experience uh, with this, that um, if we can start a difficult conversation in the right way on the right note, and there are three common approaches to that, it's going to make a really big difference in how in being able to find an effective solution and to do that um, easily and peacefully. And uh, in the first session, I'll teach about those three approaches and I'll go through some examples. The second session is my, is my favorite. It's where you bring your examples, challenging conversations you either have to have or have had in the past, and we talk about how to how you might start these in ways that are likely to make it easy to get resolution. Back over to you. Thank you, dear Glenda. It was very empowering and inspiring. Uh, we always have amazing experiences with you. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, we won't have um, time for Q&A, but I encourage you to either send us your questions uh, through email info at beinfinite.com or simply type your questions on, uh, in the comments section of this um, program and we will make sure your questions are addressed. So at this point, um, if any of you are inspired to know more about Glenda and her work, uh, I'm going to share her contact details for a few seconds. So please feel free to take a snapshot or um, come back to this um, video later on um, to have a look at the contact details and let us know uh, about your feedbacks, questions, and um, we would be more than glad to help you all. I'll give it a few seconds. Fantastic. And um, I also posted uh, the link to get more information about the course. And also uh, I will post the link uh, on how to register for the course underneath the um, live, uh, Facebook live session in the comments section. All of us at Be Infinite, thank each and every one of you for your presence. And we are grateful for your participation as well as your interest. Um, to, to register for the program, uh, please visit our website, 
or also use the link that I mentioned. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, or Instagram. And also please remember to subscribe to our newsletter to be um, hearing about the latest uh, update and our upcoming courses. Uh, wish you a wonderful rest of the day and goodbye to everyone.